Hello. Can anyone around here speak basketball? There it is. It's the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. We're going back, back to, to back. back. Welcome to the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball, Basketball Podcast. <laughs> I am your host, Freddie Rivas. And who the devil are you, sir? I'm the producer, Matt Duncan, in the flesh, in my red shirt and my posture strap. How are you today? I am doing great. You are indeed my Maddie D, and I believe you mentioned the term posture strap. Yeah, Did you elaborate. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I bought a posture strap. I was having a lot of back pain uh, a few weeks I ago. Like how the voice went back to normal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now let's talk. Let's get serious about uh, you know back health. And, uh, yeah, you know, I've worked at a computer for many years, so I, I wanted to, uh, I, I've been noticing this hunch a lot more now. And I looked up that, uh, you know, those posture straps, you're supposed to wear them for a couple hours. It just feels like a, like a, there's a rope across my back. That's, you know, like a teacher slapping you on the wrist every time you try to hunch. I love that. I love yeah. that. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm in a rocking chair. It's not so much like Wait. a teacher smacking me, Is it? Um, but it does hurt a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get let's get going on uh, some of the stuff we wanted to bring up. Um, yeah. We got a very very fun podcast uh, coming for you. We we obviously swept the Brooklyn Nets and have the the a series you know we've been waiting for for a very long time. The uh, Raptors versus the uh, Celtics. Never met uh, in the ne- playoffs, eh? Never. Never met in the wow. playoffs. Wow. And, you know, this whole era, they've been good. We've been better, but um, we're, we're squaring off and it's, it's going to be incredible. But um, yeah, a lot's going on uh, um, in general. Um, you know, we were talking about before the podcast and you were saying the Raptors need the, uh, the, the center stage because there's just, they're, they're at the center of so many different issues. Yeah. And uh, I, I wanted to personally apologize for not bringing this up on the last podcast. But uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about is the... Um, uh, is the allegations against uh, our assistant coach Adrian Griffin from his former wife? Um, they're they're fairly horrible. They are uh, you know it's very scary and um, very serious uh, allegations of assaults. And um, you know, the Raptors have come out and, and uh, they said they're they're going to look into it. Um, Griffin has come out vehemently denying it. Uh, but uh, on this podcast, we believe women. So we want that kind of to be a, a clear stance for our listeners. Uh, that's where we're coming from. Uh, and obviously we're, we're, we're super interested and, um, and, you know, we want to hold the Raptors to account as far as uh, this being an actual report that's facilitated. And we get to the bottom of, uh, of, of what exactly was said. Uh, Cause it's uh it's, yeah. it's very serious and very scary and, Everything that the Raptors organization has built up and stood for, this cannot be swept under the carpet. That's right. That's right. That's perfectly said, Matt. Um, and that will help us keep our integri- integrity. And it's really mm-hmm. important. Um, secondly, uh, most Raptors fans, I feel like already knew this um, before they saw the actual video of Masai being profiled, violently pushed oh twice. Um, spoken to in a derogatory manner 
Um, and, and, and also, um, kind of being, being put under the, the pressure of the, of the racist system, uh, in the subsequent actions that the, uh, the Oakland, Oakland County police or the sheriffs, uh, took against Maasai, which were, you know, just absolutely appalling. And I think this is a good example of systemic racism at play, right? Because you see um, a black manager or president of a team at extremely high position get attacked, profiled in front of thousands of people in, in what was supposed to be the most pivotal point of his professional career. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know Messiah is going to go back to back in three Pete. So the, the moments will get bigger, but that was the biggest one up until this point. And, and, and it was, it's cool. And we were so excited that Kyle Lowry kind of saved him from yeah. that moment. But the fact that he needed to be saved yeah. is, is just awful and disgusting. And I think that, um, yeah, like defund the police. Come on. I, yeah. This is, this is really obvious. This is really frustrating. Um, I, I don't even want to get into the, the character of each individual police officer or this one in particular, because I do think it is a good example of Masai being 100% in the right accosted um, and, and basically smeared by a professional police department. So this is what people are paying the police to do smear a black president of uh of a professional basketball organization so i mean i hope everyone who's listening to this is frustrated saddened horrified and angry because it's Uh, it's just garbage and it's not acceptable sorry matt sorry yeah i will just say that i'm really disappointed in the ownership of the golden state warriors for waiting for uh what uh Till two days after the video or something had to wait for the video to apologize to Masai and then tried to hide behind the guys that like, well, they're not our security team, but we do play in that arena or we did. That's our old arena. Uh, um, yeah. And, you know, making no mention also that, you know, Kyle was assaulted by an owner at the, who's been reinstated. Yeah. You know, so it's just, you know, it just kind of shows you the level of, of, you know, systemic racism and how, this isn't enough. This is too little too late. This is, this is, this is not being a good ally by coming out and sending a, a tweet out saying that, you know, Uh, I'm just so sad for him. That's a fantastic point. And, uh, and the first thing we jump on uh, in the podcast is, uh, is the, is the brave and kind of extremely difficult to watch uh, press conference by Fred Van Vliet and, and Norm Powell, because yeah, like we're, like you were talking about earlier, Matt, um, the Raptors are at the center of a, of a lot of issues right now. And yeah. um, obviously we're going to cover them. Uh, yeah. I think let's just jump into the pod. Um, remember everyone, you know, write your city counselor. Um, racism is obviously alive and well, mm-hmm. uh, and thriving in some circumstances. So we, you have to fight that. We each individually have to fight that. This isn't something that will go away quietly or with, uh, you know, just like in writing, like it's, it's amazing that, that, that the players are kneeling and, um, mm-hmm. and the black lives matters on the court, but uh, yeah, please watch Norm's press conference and watch Fred's Norm's uh, Fre- Fred's press conference as well because they really lay it out uh, quite eloquently. And um, yep, yeah. Uh, well, Matt, um, let's let's jump into uh, 
pod 161 uh there's, there's a lot of basketball stuff going on obviously well anyone looking for the the wild luca stuff we got that too um matt if you feel like we're ready to go please just give me the okay okay let's bring on guest number one here um we're very excited to uh to have her back she's amazing uh she writes for a bunch of publications and is always uh in the know with everything raptors uh, she's funny insightful hilarious um we're always super lucky to have her give it up as loud as you can for katie heindel Oh, a remix. I got a remix this time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Um, nice. What's up, Katie? Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me back, guys. Oh, no problem. No problem. Um, oh, that, was a, that was a double no problem. I know. Yeah, no nice. problem. Smooth. Smooth. <laughs> uh, are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, we're going to get into it, but I feel like it's been a bit of a heavy afternoon, but we can wait to talk about it. But I'm yeah. I'm Okay. Cool. Um, cool and fair. Uh, let's let's bring on um, guest number two. Uh, he's hilarious. He's one of the best comedians I know. Uh, very good at playing back to the basket uh, in real life. Uh, raising a child in this pandemic. There's a lot going on. Give it up as loud as you can for Ian Gordon. Oh, that's great. The funnest song, you know, one of them. I do enjoy it. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's growing on me for sure. You, know? <laughs> you also said he feel... tortures you a bit, but <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. If I were to say first emotion is torture without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. And the second emotion is like, wait a second. The Gravitron's pretty fun. Yeah. Like, spinning around and the seats yeah. going up. Um, but then it's kind of like, Oh man, I ate a lot of stuff here at the CNE. Too much cotton candy. Um, There's, there's honestly so much to talk about. We just have to, we just have to run full speed into Mm -hmm. it. Um, Matt, I I know you got something for me. Uh, If you got a Raptor sting, would you please give it to me? Okay, that's a hot sting if I've ever heard one. Um, let's uh, let's let's get right into the Fred Van Vliet uh, press conference. So I just 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 watched back to back the uh, Fred presser and the Norm presser, um, and we're uh, we're super lucky to have uh, Katie on the show who was there uh, covering the press con- or, or sorry, well, they're in a zoom. They're in a zoom. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, for today's times, like that's there. True. You know, yeah. um, I guess I should have asked, were you also covering norms? Yeah, it was just one. So, um, okay, yeah, so it was Fred first, then norm, then Nick spoke. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I wasn't able to watch the Nick speak, but, um, yeah, uh, I don't want to um, set you up in the wrong direction or anything, but uh, I, I feel like we'll be similarly um, 
saddened and frustrated. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, where, where where are you at listening to to Fred speak so candidly? I mean, it was horrible. I have to say that like one of the things that has kind of clawed at me all day since that happened and seeing kind of like not all, but quite a large percentage of the media's response who was either like in that room who covers the Raptors or who has like seen it secondhand, just this weird response of being like, wow, it's so powerful. So, so visceral, this stuff. That's the most candid I've ever heard an athlete speak. Like, I feel like there's something very inherently gross about that because the reason why they're speaking in such a frustrated, really like, honestly, like fearful, like Fred was like, like, extremely out of it when he started talking about it he got a couple questions at first about the celtic series and he was finally just like i don't want to talk about this like Mm -hmm. i'm not really interested in talking about this at all and then it got to the point where he was super frustrated like norm was super shaken up but like understandably so because it's like they've been backed into a corner not just by you know virtue of what they have to answer for but by what's going on in the world like this is all just it's all like indicative of a much larger problem of like systematic violence and oppression that they're being asked to comment on as black athletes again and again. So to me, if you are a member of the media that has like been in rooms with these guys for years and has like covered the team, and this is the first time something like this has sparked to you, like, oh yeah, I'm seeing them as essentially like a human being, mm-hmm. you know, and then it, and that you're like, now, now I see that they're being super honest and now I like, it's like, what did you see before? And also then I also question, why are you covering basketball? But that's my own gripe. <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's really fair. And I think, um, you know, and, and Ian, Ian uh, this just happened. So you, you weren't able to see it, but uh, I believe it was Michael Grange asked Fred, you know, how he's, if he can get yeah. excited for, for the Celtics series, he's like, which is a fairly normal, innocuous question, mm-hmm. but it's a loaded question. Um, whether there's been a very, uh, public, you know, uh, murder attempt, mm-hmm. um, that's on video and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's where you can feel Fred shock and frustration. And he actually lobs the question back at Michael Grange. You know, and it's just a classic word salad, right? It's like, there's not a lot going on. The The questions or the answers very confusing. Um, and It was and, bad. It was yeah, really it bad. Was bad. It and was I, like, he said, like, I feel for everyone, like on all, like not on all sides, but he's like, I feel for everyone involved, I think is what he said. And I think in yeah. that moment, like all Fred was asking, like he wasn't being like, please give me like a full rundown on like what you're doing and like what, you know, he was just kind of like wanted a human response, I think. And I think Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that gets lost in, in the murk of this and asking athletes to kind of like comment and comment and comment black athletes, especially right. And like for sound bites and like this kind of angling of like, well, how does it make you feel? Like how the hell do you think it makes them feel? And I think that's all Fred was asking. He was just like, how do you like, how do you feel about this? Like, how does it make you feel? And all he had to say was like, I feel really fucked up or like, this is awful. And I couldn't even imagine like what you are going through. Just something like honest. I don't think he had to really like go on it at the lengths he did, but it was frustrating. And it, and I mean, yeah, I'm glad they spoke, but I don't want to be in situ. Like it was, I wasn't, it was painful to watch it. Like I was, it was shitty to see. Like it was, I wasn't, I didn't leave the conference being like, wow, like, you know, I'm so enlightened. I was like really sad and super upset and really angry for them. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I thought, you know, Grange 
had an opportunity there to, like you said, answer humanly. And mm-hmm. um, all I could think was that, you know, racing through his brain is, is some kind of mix of like, okay, who do I work for? What is an acceptable answer? What mm-hmm. would maybe please Fred? What would maybe um, be like a, a decent comment for, for the black community? And, and, and none of what was going through his mind was how he actually felt when mm-hmm. he probably watched the video, mm-hmm. um, which you should feel like dismay, horror, shock, uh, anger, you know, at this man being, you know, shot in the back seven times in front of his family. And, uh, yeah, I think it does kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you brought up the, the human aspect because it is, you can tell Fred, you know, it's like, he's trying to initiate that conversation. And even after that answer, there was a part of me that was like, Oh man, I wonder if Fred's going to be like, well, that mm-hmm. sucked. But, you know, even his response, he's too, yeah, he's his not. response was like, I know, right? Like his yeah. response to, to, to Grange was basically like, yeah, I put you on the spot, but this is all so messed up. And mm-hmm. I'm here, you know, basically, you know, putting my pain on display mm-hmm. uh, for you yet again. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's I get it because it's like, how many times are you going to show someone your scars before they believe you were ever cut in the first mm-hmm. place? Mm-hmm. And it's yeah you know it's it's definitely i get where fred's coming from uh i i talked about on this podcast the, the corporate aspect of of how the nba co-ops movements and has co-opted movements and how they bury stories like whether it's the luke walton uh incident or you know you know i know i should even uh correct myself there because uh i've heard a lot of good conversation recently about folks who, who referred to the george Floyd. Uh, George Floyd murder as the George Floyd incident. It mm-hmm. should not be referred to as an incident, mm-hmm. especially if you know what happened. Yeah. Um, and, and this type of language, these types of barriers, you saw kind of Grange going through like the Rolodex yeah. of, of words that are maybe safe. And it's like, man, I think we're all at a point where, where we need to put more skin in the game and take bigger risks and mm-hmm. be okay with the accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, yeah, I, feel, I feel like I went on a bit of rant there, but I, I no, also no. just am so fresh off this and so frustrated and hurt for Fred, hurt mm-hmm. for Norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think LeBron spoke. I'm, I'm hurt for all the players, uh, all of the black Americans watching this. Everyone who I think has, has felt anything during this movement, um, you know, this is, this, is a, this is a reminder that there's just so much ugliness everywhere still mm-hmm. and uh and I, I you know one of fred's i think i think blake at the uh near the end of the um, mm-hmm. of the presser asked him you know what can we do as media besides sharing articles and retweets and saying black lives matter and you know that that was interesting too right because it's like hey fred how do i do what yeah. i do yeah. and, and there's a bit of an angle there of like figure that out no i know figure i mean i know out. blake meant it earnestly but that's something totally. that i got caught on to because it's it's like you know i get that you have the chance now to ask him but if you had the opportunity that's a thing you could ask him private if you really had an inquiry for him because again you're like placing you're turning it around as you said like again on a black athlete i mean i'm black like a black man i don't want to say black i see this is a thing too it's like the language around like mm-hmm. how you how you quantify these responses when they're just like humans trying to talk through it totally they're just people trying to like talk through and like process pain in real time but for that i think like yeah that's when you know no, no one else has a responsibility to like tell you tell you what you to do and like 
what kind of at the bare minimum, like what you should be doing. Right. Whether, and that's like educating yourself, like looking at like ways that you can help, whether that's like monetarily or like through your other, like through other means of like privilege, privilege or access, mm-hmm. you know? And I think like as journalists and as writers who cover the team, there's been some movement and we're all trying to like post stuff before every game. People are like taking a stab at writing things that they care about just when it comes to causes, whether it's like COVID related or in Canada, we're like obviously doing like indigenous, indigenous issued call outs and like things around black lives matter. But that is just like, how do we keep that up when it's not at the forefront of a game and people aren't like paying attention. And also like Twitter is such one small, tiny, like insular sect, right. Of the world. So like, how do you, how do you keep continue to make good? And I don't think it's up to Fred Van Vliet or Norman Powell or anybody else to tell you how to do that. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and just back to the, to the Blake thing too, I actually, you know, like that, I wasn't even meaning that to be like a, a negative thing on his part, but I thought it just kind of like highlighted the, the mm-hmm. example. And Fred actually said, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because people aren't really like asking that question. And they're, they're also, you know, if they are, um, there's a bit of like a facetious quality to it. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of like, what can we do? Mm-hmm. You know? And like, should we do anything? Do we need to really? And it's a bit like, yes, we all need to. And that was Fred's answer. It was like, I think, you know, those things are good. You know, um, kneeling for the anthem is good. Speaking out is, is good, but also it's, it's going to take everything that all of us have mm-hmm. uh, and that goes beyond our jobs and our publications and what we're on the record for, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but yeah. Uh, sorry, Ian. Um, I actually can't even see you right now. Um, so I don't know if this is all new. Did you know anything about this press conference? Uh, no, no, actually I, I didn't, but um I agree with with you and Katie on it. It's by the sounds of it. This, I mean, when you ask a question like that as a reporter, it's a question, especially the again the wording and how we how it's a canned question. That question has been asked. The answer is out there. Mm-hmm. Figure it out for yourself. There's lots of information. Like mm-hmm. as a professional, if you ask a question like that, that's loaded and canned. Um, you know, if you get caught off guard by a, or, uh, an answer that's real and to the heart, then that's that's what what happens when you answer, ask a question like that. Yeah, and honestly, these athletes we hold them to such a high standard, and you know we're so we general uh, people love to scrutinize them, um, and I think that for for all these interviews that they have are all canned and. Yeah, you know, and I, there's this notion that they can't speak their minds in some way. And I think that it's very important for all of them to speak their mind, be fluid in how they feel and don't hide things like this. You know, I, I would love to hear more things like that unprompted from athletes. Like, uh, I just think it's a good thing that's especially with, and from that perspective, um, it's a really unique one. You're in a position of power and you've got this unique skill and things are still happening around you. And in particular, these guys are away from their families in this bubble. It's, it's a scary time. LeBron's right there. There's, there's terror and, and fear. And I think that for them, especially to be away from their families, specifically the NBA guys, it must be really, really hard. And I, uh, I feel for those guys. I really do. 
Yeah, and you know, Fred was talking about you know people he knows at home mm-hmm. um, right. that are still suffering from violence, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's just it's just quite a bit. And um, I'll, I'll say, like, beyond the feelings of of frustration and and sadness and and anger, um, and I, I understand the danger of being like of of kind of like looking at it from from this lens, but also I am proud. I, like I think Fred is so brave and so eloquent, and I don't want to like you know I, I'm 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 dismayed that he has to be or is in the opportunity to you know mm-hmm. like that 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 is where we're at. Um, but I was you know crying and 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 angry and also like just so amazed by him. You know he's he's like five six years younger than me, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know just like how lucid he was and how descriptive and and real he was was mm-hmm. um yeah it was a profound moment like it was a really really special moment of an already kind of like special season mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean the only last thing i'll say on it is like to ian's point as well and your point too kind of is that you know i haven't covered and been in locker rooms obviously for as long as some of these more like tenured uh, writers, but yeah. from the time I have spent in there, like it's not difficult to have a quote, like candid conversation. Like they, they talk, they talk, honestly, they talk candidly all the time. Like a lot of the times the answers are, are as good as the questions being asked of them. And I think right. we easily get into repetitions because like, that's what basketball is. Like it is a lot of repetitions, you know, throughout four quarters. So the questions kind of revolve around that. And when you can get off script and I mean, it's not even off script again. It's just like talking to somebody like a person a little bit and like taking a little bit more interest in them than their production quote, like on court. Right. So I think like, I haven't found it difficult to, to talk, to like speak with players and have them like, you know, look you in the eye and just like talk to you normally, because that's, if you talk to them like that, it goes a long way. So I think there's something to be said for like how we approach our relationships in, in spheres like that all the time. Right. And not really mm-hmm. like trying to angle of like what you can get out of somebody. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, am I going to get this sound bite if I provoke yeah. this comment? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, from a, from like a very larger, like obvious perspective, we definitely uh, need more Katie's <laughs> everywhere. Um, Cause I think we'd have a lot more meaningful conversation and, uh, and def- certainly better questions. Um, but uh, thanks, but <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. Um, okay. Not in a, in a moving on sense because uh, I don't, I don't want to move on, but um, I do want to talk about other, other Raptor stuff that that's mm-hmm. going on. There's, there's so much. Um, and I'm going to go to you first uh, and let's just, just, just give me something on this uh, franchise first sweep. So a bevy of records were broken. Uh, our bench scored a hundred points in the last game. Um, we'll, we'll save, we'll save the Kyle talk for a sec, but yeah. Is there, is there a, is there an extra sweet moment in this sweep for you? Um, I don't know. It was nice. There was Brooklyn because we've had our, you know, our challenges with them over the years and they've been a thorn and we kind of sweep them away. It feels good. Um, but I just love the way they played. I think that having pl- Nick playing so many guys in game four is awesome. I just love seeing that. And I know it was a different kind of game, but 
in, in particular, the, the swagger, the togetherness is really nice to see because it's going to get harder as things progress. It already will right away. Um, but uh, I, when Brooklyn kind of gave us their best shot in game two, and we held them off and said, no, no, this is, you know, this is us in four. It was, it was over after that game too. And I think so. You do that If you're a Raptors fan, if you're a basketball fan, you watch basketball, you kind of knew you're like, okay, that was our best shot. We, you know, swiped them away pretty effortlessly. Um, and it's a wrap. So to see that and to know that sort of like <laughs> in your heart after what happened last year, you're, you, it's a new feeling as a Raptors fan. You kind of, Previously, you'd be like, well, you know, let's see. But now it was just like this notion of like, right. It felt like I, it felt like you in this rocking chair. That's, you know what I mean? <laughs> ah, by the way, I'm, I'm, I, for those who don't know, I'm in a rocking chair because my usual yeah. sitting position hurts my back. Um, Matt thinks it's going to hurt my back even more, but uh, I'll let you know next week. <laughs> um, Ian, that was such a perfect answer because Okay, there's a part of me that's not a hardcore Raptors fan that is like, what do you mean? You won game two and you know that you won the series? Like, there's a part of me that is like, I feel like that's how bir birders talk to each other. It's like, when there's, a, when there's a male cardinal about, you can just sense it. Or like, you know, there's kind of this, sorry, weird birding joke. No, um, you're right, though. We, you I, knew. You kind of knew. It was like, yeah, there was... And, there you can tell these things, especially in basketball, when in, in particular, when it's like a one or an eight or a two seven, mm -hmm. there's sort of like that one punch that gets thrown. And if it, if it does nothing, that's it. You know what I mean? The armor's off. And it kind of was that after the, after that. And you didn't, I haven't felt that way uh, with a Raptors team really before <laughs> me. I've, I've only felt it the other way, uh, which is getting swept by That's Cleveland it. or swept by Washington. Yeah. And you, you can feel when a team throw you for sure can uh, feel like well, when a team throws their best punch and they're exhausted. Like I think in that game too, even the, you know, the third quarter Levert looked like he didn't have much left because he was giving it all. Um, yeah. And this is the bubble too. You know, you don't have your like home crowd being like, come on. You're just like, well, fuck we we're done. <laughs> I want, okay. They can change it. Um, they can edit it around. We need a whole arena uh, of like those like zoom screens filled with you saying, come on. <laughs> like, but it could be bad or good. You know, it's just a motivating sound. It's right uh, in the middle of bad and good. That sound. Yeah. Katie, what uh, do, do, do you have a, like a sweetest moment from that series? Um, from the series, I, I wish I didn't see game um, three live, and I wish I did because I think that was the most like just like yeah. I think to for me that I didn't have that sense. I knew game two was like obviously the Nets came out, that was the hardest they did come out, but I didn't know then, like you guys did, um, that they were gonna take it. Uh, I guess I still have a little bit of like. PTSD, Raptors hey, fans, PTSD. That's, that's also very Raptors <laughs> yeah. fan of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I liked, I liked that I got to see um, so much of the bench. Like I'm a real big fan of Paul Watson Jr. Um, I'm so glad He's that awesome. like, Stanley Johnson's finally got his moment in the sun. All it took was like a pandemic and this beat in a bubble, but he's, <laughs> yeah, he's Stan, there now. It's Stanimal time. That's all, that's <laughs> yeah. all that matters. Yeah. Um, and I, I like that because like, I think, you know, yeah, things are going to get harder and like this sort of, I wouldn't even call them like for a lot of other teams, like that would be their second, like the, the deep bench. Cause the, the bench is essentially like 
so interchangeable with the starters at this point. So I don't know. I feel like we don't really even have a true bench. So then like Mm. the deep bench is almost like, I guess what the true bench would be on another like team. I, I, they need a better name. I've been trying to think of something other than like deep bench, but just as those guys get fit more into the rotations and like really contribute, I feel like that was like really sweet to see. And it was sweet to see the moments they did get throughout the series, but I have to say, and I know you said we should save it, but maybe this could be like a seeg into that. Like what I wanted from the series was, was like Larry putting his final um, curse to, to like his final playoff curse to sleep, just kind of yeah. vanquishing it. And for me, that was the Nets game, like the block shot. So I think, I think I'm a bit sad that he wasn't, I'm glad that the team rallied uh, for him and pulled it off, but like it, I was not happy in the way that I thought I would be after game four. I was just like, I was pretty upset actually. And I thought that was very strange. No, that's that's fair. Okay, I just want to touch on two things you said. One, I just love you always come in here with amazing descriptors. I love the idea of of us having an interchangeable bench, particularly because it's a group of talented people more so than it is. Oh, they're really good, and then they have a bench mob, and it's mm-hmm. like not exactly actually mm-hmm. because it's more of a larger system. And I don't think the Raptors are the only team that's like that this year. I feel like. Yeah, you know, Boston has some of that. Some other teams have He plays that. different, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, Sorry. and then, no, no, uh, it's, uh, I think Ian is also aggressively agreeing with you because <laughs> it's a hot point. But no, um, <laughs> but what's it called? Uh, oh, God, I'm a nerd, eh? Um, but uh, no, in regards to Kyle Lowry, it mm. was a saddening. That's why I didn't want, that's why I left it because I wanted to just take the joy from the right. Brooklyn series. Because, yeah, here we are. Uh, Kyle has turned his ankle. Um, first it was his arch. Now it's the sprained ankle. Uh, first it was his ankle. Then it was his arch. And then I saw so many damn podiatrists like, Oh, I know. On, on like Twitter, like getting in people's feeds, just being like, hmm, for my, uh, from what they've said, like, I'm quite worried about this. Like the arch is much more complex than you would, than you would figure out. <laughs> it's like, get out of here. Podiatrists. I like, love if you it. Don't, I don't love it. Get out of here. I love when the people are like, I'm not a doctor, you know, but I will speculate a bit. And then, then there's the people who are like, I am a doctor. I'm literally Check a foot doctor. Out. But they're also kind of speculating. And it's like, this is wild. Twitter's wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, with, uh, okay. Yeah. But the way I wanted to phrase this question is, um, you know, I don't think we'll have an exact answer uh, to this, to this Kyle Lowry scenario. You know, he, uh, I'm sure they don't want Stevens and Ainge and co to know um, the state of Kyle's health. So we probably won't know either. But um, for all the people out there worrying about Kyle Lowry, Katie, what, what can you tell the Torontonians out there who are thinking, who are, who are dismayed or sad or, or, or worried? Well, I mean, first, remember that he played through last season's playoffs with like his thumb basically falling off yes. um, and like wearing an actual oven mitt around when he wasn't playing basketball just to get through it. So, I mean, you know, he's super tough. He is super resilient. The other part is insane. He needs to just get, I think I was trying to think of like talking to some people of who the equivalent of that could be for his foot, but it's Uggs. So he's got to get some Uggs stat to wear around in the bubble. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess just like, you know, like don't forget how tough he is. And like, I think that's what was maybe for me so worrying when he did leave because we've seen him just like, yes, I was like, Oh, 
shit. Like it's gotta be really bad if he, yeah. if he, you know, fouled somebody so he could get like, so he could get off court and like, then just quickly left, like didn't even wait. So that oh, yeah. I was worried about that at first. I can't say that that didn't alarm me, but from what I've heard, I know he was practicing today. Um, Oh, wow. I, there were some that's encouraging yeah, the the bubble is funny because like you have journalists who are just like i saw i saw kyle larry walking and he wasn't limping it's like is this news like can we can't like could we credit this in a story not really it's just Works like observation me. but that's but that, there you go that's what i that's what i heard he was walking around he didn't he wasn't walking with a limp so yeah that I checks out as news on cod okay yeah i don't think he's gonna play he'll probably will he play in game one he could. I don't think he'll play a lot. That's fine. Yeah. That's what we want. But I also think, you know, look at what this team has been able to pull off all season mm-hmm. with like injury after injury after injury. And you have said essentially now, like knock on wood, you've got everybody else is healthy. And Larry, you know, even if he's he's got to take it easy a little bit to start, that's okay. Like they they did very well with a lot worse. Yes. Um, <laughs> my, my message is similarly that like Kyle is – is going to be okay and has been passing the torch for a very long time already. Mm-hmm. So this is just another part of that. Um, Ian, what's your, what would your message to Torontonians who, who are just running wild on the DVP uh, worrying about <laughs> Kyle Lowry screaming at the DVP, um, the road itself. Uh, what's your message to them about Kyle Lowry? First thing I would say is, is between Don Mills and Eglinton, Take a look um, in the median for for hedgehogs and gophers, and people <laughs> throw them apples. And there's little there's apple cores that they that they eat. And I swear to God, it was, it was, I believe you. Have a look. That's what I would say. Calm calm yourself by observing a wild DVP hedgehog. It would be beautiful, gopher. probably a hedgehog. Oh yeah, I mean they're unperturbed, right? Um, except of course for all the fumes, uh, but mainly I would be, I would agree with Katie in your opinion on his resiliency. He's a tough guy. I would worried if I'd be worried if this was TJ Ford, I'd be worried if it was Russell Westbrook maybe, or like hmm. a, maybe a big man, but he's tough, man. He's, he's, you know, he's a bulldog. He'll, he's a leader. He'll be out there whether he doesn't play game one or two. It's hard to say. I, I agree with Katie. I think he'll probably play a little bit in game one. Mm-hmm. Obviously depends on the, the flow of the game. But the other thing, of course, too, is that Nick Nurse is good with lineups. So maybe this will give him an opportunity. You want your captain out there. Uh, it's his team. But maybe he'll be able to fiddle with lineups a bit and find a little, you know, sort of like wedge in Boston's armor in some way by playing a lineup that he wouldn't have played if Lowry was in the game. We have a lot of stuff to throw at them, whether it's going big or small or a combination of both. Like, so it'll be interesting to see what they do rotation wise without him. So I'm, you know, I'm not, the Celtics are a good team. They're well coached. I'm not chilling, but I'm not like freaking out. Ooh. Okay. This is a, this is a perfect transition because um, yeah, we're all, we're all in the same place. I think Kyle is going to ease his way back in. Uh, hopefully it's like not, it's that level of serious. Um, and, and for anyone who's ever listened to this podcast, uh, they know that I have a deep hatred, uh, for Boston, for the Boston Celtics <laughs> and not for Brad Stevens, the man more so the figure 
and which which really got going when I think it was Bill Simmons uh, asked, um, "Would you rather have Giannis Antetokounmpo or or Brad Stevens?" And that's when I just lost it. <laughs> and, and Stevens became a symbol for me of uh, people caring too much about uh, systems and coaching and and not really appreciating that players are the players are uh, what's extra special, not the coaches. Um, but. Uh, here we are. Um, so you just kind of went right into it, Ian. Uh, we got, we got COY, by the way, congratulations to, uh, uh, coach of the year, Nick nurse, um, versus Brad Stevens and the Boston Celtics. I think I'm not going to go on the record and say this, but if we do lose to the Celtics, I need to go on like a year long vacation and think, (laughs) um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Uh, I, it won't be good for me. Um, I've I've all I've been confident for a long time against Boston. I don't want to say my confidence is shaken, but I respect how good they are, and I've watched all of their games in the bubble and and, and against Philly. And I know, yeah, whatever Philly, but I think I think Boston's an excellent team that with great coaching and and high IQ everywhere and good good everything. So wait. Yeah, I, I, that's that's a giant ramble for me, but Ian, just sticking with you. Yeah, who is the thicker binder between Nurse and and Stevens? Uh, what what are you any any wild tricks you're expecting? Um, I don't know. I think there'll be a lot of chess match stuff, like lineups and things like that, and interesting timeouts and everything else. But I don't know. I think maybe Stevens has a, a bigger binder in terms of his actual plays that he runs, but you know. And you might be able to give him the tic-tac-toe card, perhaps. Not that Nurse is not skilled at that. He runs amazing plays, too. But I think that Nurse has kind of the more intrinsic coaching value that Stevens has a bit. But the best coaches have is the sort of the, the, the player coach. You guys, you've got your guys playing for you as well. Um, you see that in Popovich and, you know, Phil Jackson especially in that documentary, they love the guy, you know what I mean? They're going to bat for him and he goes to bat for them. And that I'm sure Stevens has a great rapport with his players. I'm not saying he doesn't, but I think nurse is kind of like he specializes in that innately. He seems to be very good with that. And, um, I make, I mean, it's weird to think something like that would get you over the hump because, the NBA is so weird. It could come down to, you know, a shot clinking the wrong way. So mm-hmm. in the series will be close. Like they're two good teams. I think we probably are a bit deeper. If I'm looking at their roster, I'm biased, but I like ours better. Our bench, our bench trench. You know what I mean? Like we were there and we've got guys in particular down the, down the rotation that have played a lot. So they're not going to come into the playoffs with shaky knees. You know, they're, they're ready to go. So I think, I don't know. I, I would say that binder wise Stevens is better, but you can't put in a binder what Nick nurse kind of has. I am only picturing you viewed this question as like Stevens has a binder and it's just like ones and O's and X's and (laughs) zeros and nurse has a binder and it's like, love is the meaning of life. Yeah, like you know, in a sticks, picture of a sticker, guitar, stickers and stuff like that. He's got like a collage and like a vision board and stuff. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I think you're, I think you're majorly, majorly right. Um, and a concept that that I've been kind of fixated on for a little while is this relationship between the, the a superstar 
and a coach and how the most special championship environments always have that relationship uh, or usually have that relationship. Even if it's like a, you do your thing, Kawhi, I'll do my thing, coach the team, nurse uh, type of atmosphere. I think like that relationship is very important to winning at the highest levels uh, in the NBA. Um, yeah. Katie, what, what are you expecting? Some, some point Boucher or, uh, you know, is, is Matt Thomas going to start? Like, oh. well, well. <laughs> um, I mean, I think like, yeah, binder wise, Nick doesn't actually have one. I think it all lives in his head uh, and in his feelings, which I like. His so he's gut. like a mind palace binder. Yeah. He's, he's got like a gut binder, like a heart binder, <laughs> a brain binder. Um, <laughs> And I think he uses those all interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like one thing I like about nurse obviously is like how, yeah, like again, to go back to just like all the injuries and upsets that the team went through this year, how um, intuitive, more intuitive it kind of made him and them. And that one thing I really liked this season um, when we could still go and cover games was a lot of the times when nurse would get asked about like certain rotations or why he tried something or like why it worked, he'd just kind of be like, I don't know. Like I, I wanted to do this. And then one of the guys suggested we do this and then they just tried it and they just made it work. So like, he's very much like, yeah, I thought of something, but then it's like a two way street. And like we, there, like there is that level of like confidence and trust. And I think like the team knows him very well and like his schemes very well. And they can like be super improvisational. Can't say that word lately. This is the second time I've stumbled on it. And like, it's a long one. Improvisational. This is tough. I'm not going to do it. It's late yeah. in the day. Um, anyway, but the, the fact that they feel like confident and like free to be able to do that, I think is a factor that you can't really take away from the team. It's obviously more of an intangible, but I don't no, know. It's, it's in big though. You see well. Fred and Nick yeah. and Kyle having these discussions all the time. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, I, I don't know Boston as closely in terms of like what they talk about, like, you know, behind the scenes. Um, they obviously have some extremely deep and like, it's unfortunate to me how much I like most of Boston's players. I'm sorry. Yeah, me too. No, um, I, I like the players too. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> agree. Yeah. They're very like, I like so many of those guys, except for Tice. He's an evil guy, but, and I don't like, I don't like Brad Stevens. I feel like he's a weird child coach. He always looks like he's having a temper tantrum. Something about the shirts they wear in the bubble makes his eyes look even more demonic, which I don't like at all. <laughs> um, so I don't like watching him coach because when he gets stressed, he just kind of stares and like silently fumes and then occasionally screams. But yeah, it's like, are, are you putting the audience in your doghouse? Yeah. What's going on here? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think we're in, I th- I'd say we're in better shape just based on what the team had to go through this year to like throw some weird stuff out when we need to and like not get too stubborn and not get too stuck when plays don't work because there's going to be a lot of shit they dream up. That's just like going to fall super flat too. That's what happens as well in playoff series. That's a great point. And I think both teams will be good at that, but I think that that is a Nick nurse advantage is um, it's like this embracing of of failure. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like, Oh yeah, we tried all this stuff. Didn't work. Oh, well let's try Mm -hmm. this next thing. And it's kind of, there's this idea of, like we will figure it out mm-hmm. um and we all work together and and trust in each other and um one thing i was going to say just kind of uh I, I feel like you guys covered this question perfectly but um until he cools down i think i think if fred is playing with the point guard 
That's one thing. I think if he gets to play with someone who's six, five or six, six, like norm, we might be able to see like the full unleashed Steph Curry version of Fred Van Vliet, because I think him with, again, Lowry is an incredible, um, like player to be on the court with. And obviously is better than Norm Powell, but, uh, there's something about being the point guard and having the four other people as your weapons on the court that I think certain people can, it can take them to a higher level. And, uh, I, I think Fred, I mean, I think he I has think more, he levels. more levels, but, uh, but, uh if you, if you're all feeling good, I think let's move on to the NBA. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Maddie. Give me that NBA sting. National, National Basketball, Basketball Association. Association. Oh, I got the point from Matt. That was cool. Well, I mean, did you hear I it? Just knew. I, I didn't hear it, but I got the point, which felt felt like I heard it in my bones. Um <laughs> Let's uh, let's just hit up some quick NBA stuff, uh, and we'll finish off some uh, quickish questions. But um, did you watch the uh, Clippers? Uh, the, well, I mean, sorry. By by the time people listen to this, there will there will be a game five. So maybe Luca's going to do something even more insane. But uh, yeah, what what are you thinking about this uh, this uh, Mavs Clippers series? Like it was the series that I was the most excited for. I kind of thought Luca would get beat up pretty good. Oh. I'm not like beat up. I mean, I just thought that, you know, Kawhi, PG, a team full of vets. I feel I just thought he was going to have a hard time. I didn't think that he was going to be like, I'm better than all of you. Um, which we'll see how the series ends. But uh, yeah, Luca, what do you think? Uh, I like, I mean, I like, I like Luca a lot. He's, he's kind of, kind of come alive in a different way in the playoffs, but I have to be honest, this was one series that I found like super boring at first. And I oh, did not okay. get invested in. Um, I liked the Mavs too, so I was—I didn't really know why, but it just—I didn't feel like it had the kind of spark that a lot of these other early games did. And when there's basketball on, like for I don't know, 24 hours, hours a day, it feels like um, you can sometimes got to pick and choose. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that game was phenomenal. I think they just like they're just focused. Like, what did Lucas say? He was just like, you know, I told you guys, like there's no point in playing if you don't believe that like you can win and you can do it. And we always like believe that we could do it. And I think there's something, I know that's kind of corny, but I think there's something to be said for like cohesiveness in that sense. And just like believing that you can pull out a wild, like check, like across the court, like a heave, you know, and just like land it. And that the Clippers don't, the Clippers just look so sad. Yeah. They, it's weird. Um, out. The Clippers thing, I feel like, again, anyone who's been listening to this podcast for the year knows that I've been taking like every little dig I can at the Clippers. And it's a little less satisfying. Like I knew that they weren't Kawhi plus the Raptors. Like I knew that. And I think that I can see that now, but it's, it's less fulfilling than I thought it might be um, that their parts aren't like ours. Like, yeah, some it's not. And again, maybe they just, take off and I'm wrong. And, uh, Lou Williams and, and Beverly are better parts than Fred and Kyle, but I don't think they are. Um, uh, Ian, where, where are you at with, I guess the series and, and, and Luca, are you, are you super impressed? Is he going to slow down? What do you think? Oh, very impressed. I think, you know, it's funny. You're just slagging on the Clippers and you wouldn't have been able to say, you wouldn't have said any of those things 
if he didn't hit that crazy shot because it would have been three one. Right, right. So that's true. That's true. Good point. He, he's I still amazing. think they would have looked he, depressed. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah, they would have looked depressed for sure. They they do look strangely unhappy. Yeah, I think perhaps maybe the it really is nice living in L.A. for them. I don't know. Being in Orlando in a bubble sucks. But I'm very impressed with Luca. He's 21 years old. I don't. I can't remember the last 21 year old player who's done anything like this other than a guy named LeBron. Um, he's definitely the best offensive player in the league under 25 for sure. You can make a case that he's already the best offensive player in the entire NBA at 21 years old. It just based on the statistics that he put up throughout the year, Mm -hmm. the huge triple doubles, but also the, the fact that traditionally in the NBA, young players, in their first go round of the playoffs, now this is the bubble and things are different. They tend mm-hmm. to wilt. Yeah, that, that's what I was kind. Of, I wasn't. Ex- yeah, sorry. a young man, and he's not wilting. He and remember, if you look, call on his resume, he's was he was he the MVP of the Euro League at like yeah, seventeen if you years go old? Go on his like Wikipedia and look at all like, his accolades. All. It's crazy. Like I mean, because he, he started yeah, playing no, competitively in like high school, so he's got. It's just like mm-hmm. it's just like like. It's no, crazy. he's unbelievable. Yeah. He's he's a stud. He's going to be, he will be the best player in the league for probably a good chunk of years, unless there's a crazy other player that come. But I mean, it's going to be the young players in the league now are really really good, and I think he's at the top of them. He's also fortunate to play on the Mavs. I think that's the perfect franchise to him for him to go to. He could have gone to the Kings. He should have gone there. <laughs> he could have gone. He was on the Hawks. Like. And both of those particular franchises are notoriously, you know, bad with nurturing stars, young stars. And so Vladi Divac is a complete moron for not picking this guy. And even if Bagley becomes a great player, which he might do, Luca is an absolute generational superstar. Mm -hmm. So you think Luca is better than Bagley? Are you you just, are you going to say that on the record? (laughs) (laughs) I'm putting it out there. (laughs) <laughs> um, okay, wait. Last last question That's here. My uh, stamp, my lock. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh, you got to live with that. Sorry, dude. Um, and guess yeah. <laughs> what? I'm gonna say right here: Marvin Bagley is better than Luca. Okay. No. Hey, um, man, you could Bagley could Bagley could be a 2010 guy. Very possible. Oh, for sure. Um, okay, my, my my last question. I'll uh, I'll, I'll stick with you, uh, Ian, and then we'll go to uh, Katie before quickish questions. But. Um, yeah, do you have a surprise playoff team? I guess it could be bad too. Um, yeah, I'm thinking both good. Actually, I have the, the the series they're playing one another. I think that Utah and Denver have been a surprise. I think Utah uh, on the good side of things, they yes. they did. I mean, Mitchell, Mitchell, he did he lose that? He lost the game that they lost with sixty one. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I think they, it was 59. Yeah, so their yeah. team is unbelievable. Like, I didn't, th- I thought more of Denver in particular last year and everything. I thought they would, I don't know about the, the Joker, you know, but uh, anyway, the Denver surprised me because they played poorly and mm-hmm. Utah surprised me because I knew they had a good team, but I didn't think they would play this well in particular against Denver as an opponent. Yeah, my answer is also Utah because they're, you know, Utah kind of generally has like a, I don't want to say boring, but it's a very specific style of play. And uh, the first game I watched from them, it's like, they're not playing the same way. 
at all. They're playing way faster and Gobert is doing all sorts of stuff that he wasn't doing before. Um, and, you know, watching Mark come to the Raptors and fit in and, you know, help bring us to a championship. I kind of wanted the same thing for Conley in the West and for him to struggle for most of the season. And people start to think like, Oh, wait a second. Maybe is, is the team better if angles is in the lineup? Uh, and you know, Maybe they are, but uh, yeah, for him to come in and just, just like sh- not miss any shots. I've, I've kind of been happy for him and, and Utah. Ha- yeah. They haven't a surprise to me. Uh, Katie, do you have a surprise team? Yeah. Well, I have a surprise series. My surprise series that I'm like all in on. I didn't anticipate being on is OKC in Houston. That's become like mm-hmm. extremely fun. Yeah. It's a good Mostly because I'm, I'm rooting for OKC uh, and it's like, I'm is like, it what, in what world? Or- it is yeah dort's incredible but it's also like in what world am i like chris paul is the good guy and like not the like you know i know <laughs> yeah chris paul is like he got like i feel like like scrooge came to his door and it's like you got to be nice to other players and they brought him to okc um <laughs> scrooge yeah. doesn't even do that in the story oh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, they do that to Scrooge. He's Scrooge Scrooge in this. (laughs) I don't know anything about Scrooge or ghosts. That's okay. That's okay. But my biggest surprise, and I guess like this, I don't even mean this. Maybe I can mean it half dig, half surprise, but I'm surprised that the Lakers are as good as they are. Yeah, they're they're. I'm actually kind of surprised at that. I really wanted... I didn't know if I was 100% in on like the Blazers taking that series, but I thought it would be a lot more competitive. It sucks that Dame is potentially hurt right now. Yeah. But I was kind of just like, you know, throughout the first round, it's like, all right, when you're like backups are like Dion Waiters, like J.R. Smith, <laughs> Rondo, who's not playing, but like, you know, when these are like, these are your options for like depth, that yeah. doesn't strike me as very... I know you have, I know you have Anthony Davis. I know you have LeBron James, but I was also like, you know, can LeBron like throw a whole team on his back for a whole series anymore? I'm not sure, but I guess like he did this time. So I'm a bit, I'm still a bit shocked at that. Yeah. LeBron definitely does seem to have this thing where he can like in a series, he can take a punch and then be like, Oh, okay. I figured this team out. Yeah. Uh, He's kind of really good at doing that. But I was one of those people. my, My friend was like, I don't know, Portland, Andrew, if you're listening, um, was like, oh, Portland, they might they might beat L.A. And I'm like, dude, L.A. is going to smash Portland. And then as soon as the game one happened, I actually messaged him and I was like, how dare I? I was wrong. You were right. Uh, and I, I got, you know, but they did. I, they frustrated them like and they, they did, did actually, it very yeah. well. So that's why I was surprised. Like they couldn't keep it up. Obviously, the Me Lakers too. adjusted, but it doesn't seem like it takes, you know, like a lot of these guys like. Doesn't take a lot to get under Dwight Howard's skin. LeBron gets frustrated very easily. The difference is he will come back and just like destroy yeah. you in the way that he can. No, it's a know? good point though. They were rattled. Yeah, they get they can get rattled. So I think in the next round, if they have a team that can consistently rattle them, oh maybe yeah, they won't go as far as, as as anticipated. I also just like you know like they hadn't when they said like oh they haven't won that that was the first playoff series they'd won since like 2012. Um, the Lakers? Yeah. 
Oh wait, they're in their first. Wait, they're in their first series. Their first win in the bubble was the first win they've had on the postseason since 2012, which was shocking to me because the narrative around the Lakers is just like we've always been successful. Yeah, yeah. and I guess the last playoffs they were in, they were probably swept. It was probably one of Kobe's last series. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that, um, and I think that's the main. I th- I, I would probably like. I would probably have a lot of animosity towards the Lakers fans and, and the Lakers in general, if they weren't for most of my like obsessive basketball watching, like there was the Kobe Shaq era and then the Kobe Gasol era. But then it was, you know, it was pretty clear that Kobe was going to tank the franchise for a long time. <laughs> and, and that's what happened. And, and it was, it was bad. And I was kind of like, okay, I think, I think LA is so, so bad that I, it's hard to dislike them. Kind of like the Knicks. Like I would probably have a lot of animosity towards the Knicks, but you know, it's been rough. Mm-hmm. Whereas Boston, they're, they're kind of all, they didn't, I don't feel, I feel like they've never had to be super bad, you know? Lakers are interesting just because of they're good now. They've got the number one seed in the West and they've got, they, they are a weird team on their bench. Doesn't look that hot, but somehow they, they win games. But if you think about all the players they did, they've gotten rid of. I mean, mm-hmm. they got rid of Ingram and 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 D'Angelo, and these guys are like, like Magic Johnson. What what are you doing? You've I turned it around. You're saying they got rid of Magic people. Johnson too. Like, but like they should. I mean, him pulling the trigger on some of these deals, in particular. I mean, I know that Russell had that you know, snafu where he recorded. I think it was Swaggy P or something, but he was, you know it's almost too good of a player to let him walk and there's somehow they're always, this is the thing about them. They've got, they always come around. They're like the friggin' Yankees. They're just sort of like, <laughs> no matter what's going to happen, they're going to go there. People want to play there. And that's just kind of how it is to be a Laker. Fan. Well, this is just, We'll see him in the finals and um, the Carew show will not be happening. That's a guarantee. That'll be an interesting final. That's for uh, sure. It would be cool. Um, okay, uh, are, you, are you both ready to wrap this up with some quickish questions? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Maddie, if you got a quickish question sting, would you give it to me? Quickish question. I always feel so cool doing that. Okay. Um, you all know how quickish questions works. Uh, I'm going to... Th- uh, slur, stumble, uh, you know, get confused through some of uh, some of the questions I've already read before. Uh, that's okay. You have to answer still as fast uh, as possible. Um, you can't think out loud. You can't phone a friend. No stalling, uh, Matt. I'm looking Fuck. at you. Yeah, no stalling whatsoever. <laughs> I want quick answers. Okay? <laughs> the segment's called Quickish Questions. Not at all the case. It's quick answers. Um, okay, uh, let's do uh, Katie, Ian, Matt. We all ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Yep. Katie, biggest bench threat from Boston. Who is it, and who can stop it? Taco. Um. <laughs> Taco himself. <laughs> no one. No one. Okay, a taco, and honestly, no one. Like if, he, if he comes in, we lose. That's what's up. Uh, Ian, Toronto versus Boston. What was the better TV series, Degrassi or Boston Public? I would have to say Degrassi, just because it's filmed in East Toronto, and that's where I grew up. 
And um, you know what I mean? Boston Public's got Shatner, I think. Was it Shatner? And he's got that. That's Boston Legal. Rocket Man, where I think he's on. (laughs) Oh, anyway. Isn't that the man he does the does he's like on Quaaludes anyway? Boston Legal, yeah. Come on. Yeah, it was just a classic Degrassi. <laughs> it's all we need. What was the other one? Boston Public? Boston There's Public was different. Boston yeah. Show? yeah, Boston Legal was uh oh, great. oh wow. A different show. You know, that was a David well, E. Kelly. I can't keep track of all these okay, Matt. Boston-based <laughs> shows. What are Mark's strengths and weaknesses versus Boston? Um I would say um, his strengths are definitely that three pointer. Yeah, love getting a couple of those in a game. Um, and but I think uh, I feel like he's going to fall into some foul trouble. Am I wrong? Is he going to? I'm nervous about it. Yeah, um, Katie. Uh, oh no! You know what? This isn't fair because it's just not a question. Uh, just a statement to everyone. Not so much a question, but fuck Boston. Um, then <laughs> fucking Boston. There's a question for Katie. How many slices of bread will get? Uh, uh, will we get out after the series? That's a joke on Brad's name. Uh, some <laughs> folks call him Bread Stevens. I am one of those. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But <laughs> like if you sliced him. You, I, I guess just basically what this question is. If you slice the man, how many slices of bread? Like if he oh, was a loaf of bread, how many slices would you get out actually, of it? Actually, that's a fun hypothetical. <laughs> yeah. Not a great question if I've got to, you know, like figure out what it, it yeah. means, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would picture like a really, like a bread I hate, I figure like a, like a caraway rye, some kind of crummy bread like yeah. that's what I figure he would be um, and you'd probably get those like maybe about uh, 14 and then they would all fall apart oh that's that's the perfect answer because it's so gross you hear that breast <laughs> gross. gross we're so man. sorry we're so sorry we're so obsessed with you and it's weird um uh, so sorry we s- sliced you up <laughs> bread uh. Okay, here we go. There's more, more of this. You're going to like to see an Ian Toronto versus Boston round two. Pizza, pizza, or Boston pizza? Oh, man. <laughs> well, I, I mean, again, I want to go local pizza, pizza. If it was back in the day when I used to play T-ball, I would go pizza, pizza for sure. <laughs> but Boston pizza also used to have this, they used to have this pizza where you could get a pierogi on it, which I kind of used to like. Ooh, um, great. <laughs> but I'm going pizza, pizza because they invented dipping sauce, I think, I feel. I think they used to come... And it had the little press down like circle in the box and it used oh, to be yeah. free. They used yeah. to come with the pizza. Yeah. And then yeah. after a year, they were like, by the way, it's 50 cents. You're like, what the fuck? It's not okay. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't cool. But Matt, still, I'm going with them. Yeah. What will be the hottest, see worst take from US media before this series starts? <sighs> oh boy. Hottest, worst take? Um, probably them saying you know uh you know boston in something boston like if it's like a boston in five a gentleman sweep by boston expected something like that yeah yeah that's that's deserve that's yeah. deserving of a they don't have the Kawhi. they don't have this they you know it's gonna be yeah there's crap. a lot of bad takes coming our way for sure yeah katie uh if you have to pick one former raptor in prime form and one current Raptor to team up to play two-on-two basketball against the Celtics. Which two Raptors will you pick? Also, who do you think will uh, who do you 
what's your Celtics pick? PJ Tucker and Kyle Lowry. Love it. Um, and then honestly, mm. anyone. I mean, I want to say like Edis Cantor and like I don't know some. Oh, and Daniel Tice. There you go. Love it. <laughs> um, Ian. Mm-hmm. After Bill Russell drafted Kenny Smith in 1987. Bill asked Kenny to sit next to him on the team bus and on the plane. When Kenny asked Bill why he had to sit next to him, Bill replied, because that guy's a loser, that guy's a loser, that guy's a loser, and I don't want you sitting with them. Which three members of the present-day Boston Celtics was Bill Russell calling a loser? Oh, man. Interesting question. Uh, I'm going to say Tice for sure, because he's definitely a loser. He is a loser. He's such a loser. He just looks like a turd. You know what I mean? He's probably such a nice person. No, oh. screw him. And then um, definitely Marcus Smart for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh. Total jerk off. And uh, Morris probably. No, Morris is... Or no, no, sorry, there's, no more, there's no more Morai on that team. Thank yeah. God. I'm sorry. I forgot that he wasn't on. I've had a lot of... Been cursed by him for years, that guy. Mm-hmm. But, and there's two of them, too. Yeah, the um, more I twins. You know what? Even though I don't believe it, I'm going taco. <laughs> okay. Um, Matt, Marcus Smart shot 41% from two this year. Are his hands made of potatoes? <laughs> <laughs> That's the question. Potatoes? Uh, yep. Um, Marcus Smart's hands made of no potatoes. Question? No. They're made of beets. Okay, great answer. <laughs> Katie, Taco Fall wears number 99. Who's better, him or Gretzky? Would he start for the Clippers? Taco. Taco. I agree Taco is better than Gretzky. Hands down. Ian, if the Raptors score over 100 points in a victory, the fans get free McDonald's fries. Finish the sentence. If hypothetically... Boston scores over 100 points. Those fans get oh, bowl, hot piping bowl of clam chowder. <laughs> <laughs> New England clam no, chowder. How about no bowl? It's like yeah. You want well, the clam how about chowder? this? It's you served, it's served in old newspaper like fish and chips. <laughs> Here you go. Here's a, a crumbled up newspaper full of clam chowder. <laughs> this is good. This is why we bring Ian on, honestly. Um, clam chowder and newspaper? That's good stuff. Uh, okay, Matt. Yes. Um, so it's a nice last question for you. Should uh, It's an important one. Should Kyle sit out to be safe game one and or two? Well, I will say that uh, I read that Alvin Williams said that he's 99.9% sure that Kyle will be playing in game one. And uh, I, think, uh, I think that he should... Um, I think he should be a hidden bench player in game one. Really fuck with the Celtics. Oh, like he's like the 10th man? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's wearing a mask. <laughs> he rips it off. <laughs> Who is this person? How did they get in the bubble? <laughs> uh, let's let's wait on this. It might be Gene Parmesan. Um, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. Um, that's that's the pod. Uh, thank you. This, this has been this has been a fun time, um, a heavy day, but a, but a really fun episode. Uh, Katie, I'll go to, I'll, I'll go to you first. You got um, a lot going on. You're writing for yeah. so many different things. You're doing podcasts. Um, this is going to come out on uh, the 26th. So knowing that, uh, 
Um, yeah, what's up? Is there any, anything out there you want people to know about? Uh, yeah, you can listen to and, and subscribe to, if you don't already, Dishes and Dimes, uh, an all-women NBA podcast that I'm a co-host of. I've been a... Another basketball with Sean Woodley. Um, that's out every Thursday. If this podcast didn't fulfill your podcast quota for the week, mm-hmm. uh, I have a feature coming out on. Um, I, you know what? I'm going to save this one. But it's a feature okay. on a Raptor. I'm very excited about for a place I've never written for before. So just keep keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah, uh, listener, follow Katie. Read all of her work. She's incredible and. Um, you know, she'll be the person uh, in the in the in the press conference asking the really meaningful questions. Uh, so help her out, um, Ian. Uh, are, are you doing shows again? What's what's going on? This is, this is uh, weird. I'm sorry. I'm so used to my usual pandemic thing of like, I hope you're okay. Uh, you know, even if you're not performing. But I actually realize you might be performing again. I will be doing some going forward. I'm slowly getting back into them. I was just trying to be extra cautious with little baby, but yeah, you know, sure. outdoor venues and things like that. Seemingly I'm fairly confident. I've been feeling a lot better pandemic wise recently. Anyway, I'm thankful that we live in Ontario and we have sensible bylaws of having masks indoors and, yeah. you know, not to get into that kind of thing, but I'm just feeling a little bit better about it and hoping to do more shows going forward and hopefully things i don't want to say get back to normal because we need to change stuff for the better but yeah hopefully venues open up again and i can do more shows put it that way yeah totally i did a uh, friend of the show dan gallia is a wonderful producer uh he works with toronto city adventures a lot and he did a humber or uh comedy on the river so yeah, people actually so kayak up to you and you and you tell jokes it was uh weird and odd but i felt so alive <laughs> i don't even know how to describe it and people were like laughing and drifting by and i'm like i i don't care thank you Did you say laughing like like rafting and laughing no, yeah like laughing <laughs> yeah it did say laughing laughing <laughs> Sorry, that, that's a good catch um, oh, I liked that. <laughs> laughing. No, that was just a, that's a happy Freddy slur right there. That's an accident. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's it. Uh, thanks so much, everyone who listens to this podcast. Make sure to, um, to, to, to uh, you know, share, subscribe, uh, email your city councilor, defund the police. Um, Matt, uh, that's it for the pod. If you think we're good to go. Hello. Speak basketball. There it is. It's the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.